This is the light which shall give revelation to the Gentiles. The mystery of God in the world for the salvation of the world. Hey everybody, how's it going? My name is Jordan Pacheco from the Glad Trad Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. And I have a really exciting show today. Unfortunately, Rudy couldn't be here, so I'm gonna do my best. But I have with me uh, Rob and Sam Fatzinger. They are the married couple with 14 children. And what put them on my radar is that they wrote this wonderful book, which I just did a little review on in Trad Reads. Hope to recommend. It's a Catholic guide to spending less and living more. So we're going to have a great show over finances and raising kids and making sure that you don't kill your spouse at the very end of the day. So, <laughs> so far we haven't. That's good. You know, no one's a clone over there. That's good. Night is short. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for coming on. How's, how's it going? And you guys are in Maryland, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're about a half hour outside of DC in the summer. Oh, okay, awesome. Wow, the, the ancient stomping grounds. I'm in Colorado, so I'm uh, I'm kind of far from you. <laughs> you're you're so, probably in a better off, better off, better area. You know, that's what they tell Well, Southern Colorado where I'm, or Central Southern Colorado where I'm from is better than Denver and Boulder and all these other kind of crazy bits. Uh, question, do they, do they get a lot of snow in Maryland? This is gonna sound so silly from audience in the East. Yeah, not not in our area. Okay. Okay, gotcha. It's gonna snow here tomorrow, so that's why I ask. <laughs> Every couple of years, we'll get a nice amount. But... Well, if you want any extra, we will totally give it to you. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to start off just kind of asking generally um, about your background, and I've read your book uh, on several occasions, just back and forth. Um, but before, I mean, I know that there's always a history before you kind of, obviously, before fourteen kids come along, and before this book develops. So. For both of you, are you natives of Maryland? What was growing up like? Those sorts of things, if I could start. Uh, well, yeah, we're both, we live in a town called Bowie, um, outside of D.C., like I mentioned, and we've both lived here basically our whole lives. Sam's lived here for 50 plus years. I'm 57. I moved here when I was two. And um, so we and lived, I'm 53. Yeah, so we've lived in the same great. town. Our, our, thank you. <laughs> 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 makeup. I, I wear a lot of makeup. Oh no, no. We'll fix it post. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've lived in the same, which which is actually part of what has helped us in our stories. We've lived in the same town our entire lives, so we, we know a lot of people. Um, the extrovert next to me, in particular, knows a lot of people. So we have a good network of friends, community. Um, you Amazing know, parish through our church. Yeah. And every, yeah. Well, that's good. And, you know, I think for a lot of us is good. So I'm, I'm a Colorado native. Um, I grew up just um, 15 minutes on the road where I'm currently at in a little town called Elizabeth, like population 2000 people. Uh, and then I went to Los Angeles for five years because by trade, I'm a cinematographer and an editor. So I was doing the whole LA circuit, got a job at the Augustine Institute, which is out here. And then before you know it, I'm back home. So I think for a lot of people, having roots is is something that we don't even think about you know we a lot of us tend to be very modular nowadays it's almost a given that like especially in california or even here in colorado right you you expect to meet people who don't have family or any sort of roots here so kind of being able to cultivate not just your own personal life but the legacy in, in a sort of the same area is something i think a lot of us have forgotten so it's really beautiful that like from two years old from little you could just be in the same place and and home's always right there yeah it has been a blessing for us most of our we have most of our children live real close by oh, good. Uh, actually all of our kids are in maryland right now oh all the adult eight, eight of the kids are out of the house mm -hmm. um, and they're all um 
within an hour drive or less a couple right here in town that's crazy because maryland's a small state right so yeah, it's like small, population yeah. what 15 people is that just all your family yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we're, and we're 14 of them yeah, we're, <laughs> that's our kids, so we're the whole thing that's where did you where'd you guys meet so Rob is much older than I am, but oh, his yeah. sister and brother, uh, his sister's a year older than me and his brother's a year younger than me. We both went to the same high school. Our whole town kind of like hangs out together mm -hmm. and we actually were at a party and um, we, we, we knew each other mainly because of I knew his brother and sister and we just kind of started hanging out. We dated for almost two years broke up for almost two years and then started going back out oh god <laughs> just no. you knew what you wanted <laughs> well oh do you want to tell the story about when you asked me to marry you no okay do i remember no go ahead <laughs> in the, i don't know it's in the book it's it's right, that's right it's in the book i was i was gonna yeah. say uh, <laughs> i know a bit of like, it and yeah so we were on sugarloaf mountain and we had been dating for not very long after this breakup and uh rob and i were on this date and i think he was just as shocked as i was that he asked me to marry him i mean there was no ring there was no talking to my father there was just a very high mountain and me <laughs> looking on the other side <laughs> so when rob was about 1988 and rob said you know, will you marry me? And I looked so shocked. He kind of like stepped back and said, hey, who else is going to give you 10 kids, a dog, the white picket fence? And, you know, I pondered for a minute and thought, yeah, like who is going to give me a bunch of kids? Because I always wanted to have lots of kids. I'm the youngest of nine. He's the oldest of three. And I was like, get rid of the dog, make it 11 kids. And the answer is yes. So actually our hometown, when we had our 11th baby, made a really big deal about it. Front page of the Bowie paper, like they had kid number 11. Oh, they, they're, they're doing and then And then they lost yeah, count. Three bonus ones. I got the bonus baby. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So even from the start, that's, that's, such a good, that's such a good thing, especially for our audience here. So from the start, you guys figured if God's call was a big family, that that would be, that'd be a, a good option then. Roots yeah, in the family. So I will be done from the, from the moment of planning our wedding had no idea what that meant. You know, one, 10, nine children. It has always been with what, Lord, whatever you want. You know, can you talk a little louder? We can't hear you. But one of the things about our finances not being a stress of our marriage, a lot of people, if you look at the divorce rate, a lot of people get divorced because of financial reasons, and also we were blessed that one, our finances were really never a huge stressor for us. Two, we were always open to life. And I know that Rob agrees with me. We say we had so many other decisions to make as a couple, as parents. It was so much easier to let God be in control of our children facing them, how many, when, when not. We were very blessed that I was always healthy. Just like many Catholic engaged couples, we went to, you know, the NFP training classes with the diocese. We went to the engaged encounters. We did all the things. But right before we got married, we both felt like God was calling us to be like, you always wanted to be a mom and you are healthy. Why are you going to, you know, prolong having children? if you really want to have a baby. 
So we were like, okay, Lord, if this is what you want, then our life is in your hands. And we got pregnant on our honeymoon. Hey, Mazel tov. We thought we were going to, but we didn't. I just want to, for our audience sake, it was like, it was like bragging over you, but no, so. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's good. And, you know, I think that what's funny is um, we talk a lot on our show about, about marriage and family life. And especially since Rudy, uh, he's been married for about two, three years, and I've just been married for under a year. So now a lot of what we've learned in pre-Cana, a lot of what we've seen with our parents or with other people, um, we're kind of putting into practice. And so I think it's a really good beauty in culture that we understand, you know, getting married to be open to to God's gifts and children. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of Catholics talk about this, but, um, you know, there, there's all this pressure sometimes from society, which is like, oh, well, you want to make sure that like, at least have three years together before you have a kid, travel, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's very, very materialistic approaches to marriage. And even for for good Catholics, right? Those aren't contracepting, but those who kind of out of the gate say, okay, well, we want a naturally family plan because we want to have time together or, or we want to have a certain financial threshold before. It seems to me like the history of the world has just been what you guys did. It's it's, it's two kids in a hometown. You know, my parents did that. They got married and, and they started out, you know, against the world and had a family together. And, and there's that's, that's real beauty. We also want our story to get out for families who are raising their kids or for young, you know, even in high school who are discerning about college, we want people to get financially stable because that's one of the big reasons why people aren't having children. Mm -hmm. So when Rob had, you know, when Rob decided, when Rob paid off our house, I was just in total shock. This was 12 years ago. We'd been married for, um, about 20 years I was in shock and I I wanted to like you know rent a banner and tell hi my name's Sam my husband paid off our house but not because I wanted to be like oh we're wonderful and you're not but I wanted people to know that you can be a stay-at-home mom you can have all these kids on one income and still be able to be financially stable not because I thought we were great and, and, and I wanted to be cocky. I just wanted people to know that, yes, you can be open to life and live debt-free. And so what's happening is we know a lot of people who get married right away and would love to start and have children, but they have college debt mm -hmm. and tons of it. And also, we also know people who have considered the religious life, either going into a convent, being a brother, being a priest, and most seminaries and religious life won't take you if you have tons of debt. Oh, really? So, I mean, that's a huge big deal. Yeah. People don't even think about that. That's, that's amazing. You know, that's, that's something that's so completely true, especially for, for my generation. I know people who debt's just an assumption, you know, it's a way of life. And I think that when you explain to somebody, you know, it might take some sacrifice, which a lot of people don't want to hear, uh, but you can live a debt-free lifestyle and you could also have a marriage and children and, and, and a home, you know, and it may just take my, my dad's phrase is being 2% smarter than the box. Um, you know, the, the average car payment in America right now is upwards of $500. Average, a college student, the graduate $30,000, $40,000 in debt and for teaching or a psych degree or something like that, you know, if you don't change your major three, four or five times. I'm very fortunate because uh, I have, on one hand, I have both one of the most worthless degrees and one of the most high <laughs> failure rates jobs, right? I, I went to film school and I, I'm a cinematographer. I lucked out because 
the film school I went to was actually a community college film school. So my education was two years and $10,000. And then I just got straight out to get free, greatly thanks to my parents, of course. But then I just went straight out to LA and just, you know, got myself punched in the face enough times until I got, you know, a couple of gigs. Uh, and so, you know, it's possible. So I'm always saying with people like, there needs to be discernment on what your your choice of career is, what your, what your path is. I know we'll get into this later. A vocation and vocational training is something that's gone by the wayside. And I think now we're kind of rediscovering it. If somebody desires to be a mother and a stay-at-home wife, what sort of choices does that influence? If somebody wants you know, to have a house and to retire early or something like that, what sort of influence does that mean? Um, so let's get into your story a little bit. So here you guys are two kids married i know that um there's been a lot of different trajectories but one thing that's very that's featured in the book a lot is this christian bookstore that you guys had so rob tell me about that a little bit like tell me about this christian so, bookstore what was it called what what books could i get there could i get could i get my 62 missile at this bookstore that's important <laughs> <laughs> we we did um order those we, we didn't have a big demand for those. Mm -hmm, so yeah. this was um we were was a year into our marriage um we had one yeah we had a six month old um sam was pregnant with number two although we didn't know it at the time and we felt i was working at a bank at a time at the time um sam st stay-at-home mom we, we didn't have much money um we didn't have debt though other yeah. than our mortgage um so we kind of started our marriage that way debt, debt free more or less other than the mortgage mm -hmm. so we both like separately felt being called to open up a christian bookstores so we looked into it. Um, we were probably like, I was 26 and you were 22, 22. 22. Uh, so we, we rented a space and bought fixtures and books. It was called uh, One in Christ Bookstore. Mm -hmm. um, we we didn't um, discriminate. We would take money from Protestants if they wanted to shop too. Hey, they and want to shop, we're, all right. We're, yeah, we're-, we're so, Just no heterodoxy, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we, so we had a lot of, you know, some, some generic -y books, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of Catholic books, obviously, um, you know, statues ro and rosary. rosary statues, and then the, the usual, you know, generic Bible verse pictures and stuff that you would yeah. sell. So but we ran that, we opened that summer of 90 and closed it down in the summer of 2000. So we had a 10 year run. Mm -hmm. This uh, little company called Amazon helped to put us uh, out of business slowly towards the end and Sam's Club and all these places where you could go buy the books we were selling for 40% off that we couldn't eat. So, so we shut it down and after 10 years, I got a real job. My, uh, <laughs> that's, I know, well, you, you and me in the same boat, right? Imagine, imagine, oh man, I'll never forget this, right? Telling my parents, hey, I want to go to film school. They were like, okay, what do you want to be? I want to be a cinematographer. Okay. How much do they make? Do they have health insurance? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, which, which brings in kind of an interesting sort of point. So what, so my, my, um, I have a, 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 a Tio and Tia who run a Catholic supply store in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, shout out to Holy Family. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so what, what was the kind of inspiration to open up a, a Christian bookstore in particular? Because that, you know, it's coming, especially coming from the banking world and doing that prior. Was that just a calling that you felt like God had or had it been something that, family had done before anything like that so uh, for yeah. my birthday my father-in-law gave me some money and the first place we went to was the christian bookstore hmm. and we were buying all this stuff and we also used to go to the franciscan monastery down in dc in the shrine and 
we were like kids in the candy store because we didn't spend a lot of money because we didn't have a lot of money. And I looked at Rob and I was like, you know, can you imagine like every penny we have is going to, we were buying things for the house for, for our daughter who uh, I was pregnant with. And I said, can you imagine how much money people who actually have money spend at places like this? I, and I, Rob was like, I'd always wanted to run a bookstore because he loves to read. He reads all the time. And so I was like, well, we don't even know the beginning of how to do this. So here I am with a newborn in the car driving down the road in May and the radio station had on, um, someone called in this Christian radio or something and they said, hey, I want to open up this business and the, the guy on the, it might have even been Larry Burkett, an old financial mm-hmm. guy. Oh, yeah. Christian financial Before guy. Dave Ramsey, he was, mm-hmm. he taught Dave Ramsey everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. So Larry Burkett said, well, just like if you were going to open a Christian bookstore, you would contact CBA, Christian Bookstore Association. And I'm like driving off the side of the road. <laughs> oh my gosh, looking for a pencil and piece of paper, writing this all down. We looked into it. We prayed about it. Everyone we knew must have thought we were crazy. They all thought we were crazy for getting married young. They thought we were crazy for getting pregnant on our honeymoon. Now we're going <laughs> to quit our only, his only job. You know, they thought I was crazy because I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And here he's going to quit his banking management position that they had always, his dad was a big banker. So just everybody figured, oh, now this is the next crazy decision. We were getting, <laughs> we were getting arrested for protesting in front of abortion clinics. We were sidewalk counseling. I mean, they just thought there's nothing That's left. As a warriors. Yeah, there's nothing left. <laughs> we were, these two were, we were a lot younger then. <laughs> They're like, these, I look at my, now that I'm a grandma, I look at my mother-in-law and I'm like, I am so sorry for all, all the things we put you through. Then I started to have home births. I mean, they're like, what are they doing? They're crazy. <laughs> so, so they're like, whatever. We're just going to ignore them. And it, it did pretty well. And then we actually doubled our size. And then again, when uh, people could order things from home and Amazon. and yeah, that, that internet fad kind of. Oh, yeah. That, that pesky internet. We would, we would actually run down. <laughs> We would actually run down to Sam's Club and buy books and sell them for the same price that we'd get for a wholesaler. Mm, wow so, it just yeah it, it just got rough after a while but yeah. but we met the greatest people it was a wonderful we had the most amazing people praying for us you know every once in a while i'd go in with the baby or you know we'd have pictures of the baby and the, everyone loved was used to pray for us and when i was pregnant it was amazing community of people to start off our marriage with but i loved how you said i, I know if you live close by i know we party with you all the time you said some really great things that um about sacrifice and i think what happens is people hear our story and they want to know what is the secret ingredient Mm -hmm. they want to buy our book because they want to know what is our our formula (laughs) what is the plan what is happening in rob's brain that he's doing (laughs) all this management what did he invest in what did he not do this and really, it comes down to something people don't want to hear about. And we wrote this book during a pandemic. We wrote this book during Lent. And it comes down to the sheer word of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And we just don't do that. We don't spend money. We don't buy things. We don't go out to fancy restaurants. We don't drive by the coffee shop every day. We don't go to the fast food restaurant with the kids all the time. We don't buy them whatever they want. 
people don't want to hear that. They want to hear, we'll know if I put this in here and do this. The magic formula, right. It's, it's, and that's why um, other people who, who stop, who start out following um, Dave Ramsey come to a point where they're like, this doesn't work, but the Catholic church has the answer. They tell us to suffer, simplify, sacrifice, offer it up. Like, and that's why when we do things like spending fast or Rob says save and then save some more and, and don't spend, we don't, it wasn't that we, we even had the option. We didn't even have money. We, so we, yeah, we just, started out simply. We actually didn't have a choice. I mean, we got married and we didn't have, we didn't have any money. So mm-hmm. we had to, <laughs> we kind of had to live that way unless we wanted to take on debt. And the, the now, we did go out to dinner last night. Her out to dinner <laughs> well, I mean, so at this point, night. I so, think I mean, he's deserved it. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just want everybody. To we know did that. take home the dressing bread, but you know, we didn't. But, uh, <laughs> but there's just simple things like that. Like people expect it to be some huge plan or huge uh, methodology, and it's not. It's mm-hmm. just saying no, saying no to yourself, saying no to your desires, and, and just saying yes to God and saying yes to God by yes I because our goal was I wanted to have lots of kids and I wanted to stay home yeah how was that going to happen I used to tell Rob I'll do anything I, I used cloth diapers for years I wouldn't go to the Tupperware party I wouldn't go to the candle party whatever it was I knew that it was a slim chance of me losing the opportunity to, to be able to stabilize and be home mm-hmm. and not be not have Rob work four jobs. Mm-hmm. Now it now then then the miracle happens. We're, we're married for many years. He gets that real job, <laughs> and we have like vacation, After health insurance, health insurance, sick leave. Can I if I can yeah. pause you real quick? That that was so one of my major motivators real quick for for coming back home to Colorado. Besides the fact that I'm working for an apostolate melding my faith in my film is I was I was an engaged man and I was extremely aware that if children and a wife comes in the pipeline that I'd probably wanted to like have a 401k and like some you know just like just some extra pad like I as an independent contractor uh your best kind of insurance was not to get sick so it's kind of it's kind of funny now (laughs) even though I work for like a studio side it feels a lot like my work in LA I I'm reminded sometimes oh no this is like an actual like brick place because I can go to the doctor and I have a copay. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's things like that now. So, so where people are like, how did this, how do you, did you keep doing this with all these kids? So we got used to living on a, you know, bookstore salary. Many months we didn't even get paid. And, (laughs) and then all of a sudden Rob gets this real job. Well, we didn't all of a sudden say, oh, yay, now I'm going to grocery store, I'm going to buy all this, I'm going to do shopping, I'm going to buy all the kids new bikes. We just never changed. The kid, the older kids say. We didn't, we didn't have a lifestyle creep. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we did a little bit more. I mean, we, we, but we didn't just, any extra money normally went into savings. Right. We tell, people, we tell people we bought paper towels every once in a while. And That's our Buy splurge. ice cream. And the kids were like, oh. We must be rich. Mom bought paper towels. <laughs> so you, some people look at that and they're like, what are you talking about? That's so true. So that this brings me, okay, so we're going to, we're going to start hopping into, to book parks. So one of the things in your book that I, I love so much is again, like I've, I've always been naturally a saver. 
I realized that it was thanks really to my financial teacher in high school and then through Dave Ramsey that I've become essentially like a turbo nerd, right? And then through your book subsequently, because I think that has helped contextualize some of the things in my own brain into a very Catholic way of just doing it. Um, my wife is a saver, so it's it, which is wonderful. And so I think right. that, you know, when we talk about marriage and, and d- discerning with a spouse, there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that a lot of couples just don't have. And money is one of them. It's hard to sit down at the month and be like, okay, like you should probably like, we should consider, you know, we should consider cutting back on Starbucks or deciding like, okay, like I know that I can live a bachelor lifestyle, right? My wife's from Los Angeles. We found some, we found some extraordinarily reasonable and delicious tamales the other day. That's important for her because that reminds her of home. Here on the plains of Colorado, that's like, you know, it's like I came from the countryside. Like if you didn't have it in the field, you didn't eat it. So, so <laughs> just walk me through that process. So it seems like both of you guys, is it inherent that you were on similar financial footing? It seems like um, there wasn't any kind of like big, like in the beginning of your marriage, especially, was there any like of those growing pains? Or was it like, okay, like these are just rhythms that we've both kind of adopted anyway. So with money, with finances, no. We, I mean, tell people we we, Every, we fight about or argue about a lot of stuff, but but not money. Yeah, they're called they're called gentlemen's disagreements in my household. <laughs> every podcast, every interview, they're like, "Okay, tell us about your financial fights." And we're like, "I can tell you about the seven other fights we had an hour before this podcast happened, but money isn't one of them." Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you saw that. Oh, um, but. I love my husband. Really, the book I wanted to write was about marriage and how it is so hard. Part two, please. And Part two, please. I'm trying. I'm trying. I got to sell more of these before they'll even talk to me. <laughs> but I tell people all the time, I'm like, why do old ladies cry at weddings? Because they know what that poor sucker's about to get herself into. <laughs> this is hard. Marriage is hard. Yes. Get on your knees, pray, sacrifice, fast. Do whatever you can, pray for your husband, and don't get off your knees until you die. Because mm-hmm. every time I think we, we're we on the same page, we're, we're, marriage is wonderful, Satan comes in and says, okay, what can I do to get them in fighting or whatever? But thankfully, when it comes to money, that has been our, our, our one easy point. <laughs> um, and, you know. When either of us like to shop. Yeah. Really, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's that me helps. and Jen right there. <laughs> yeah. Sam likes thrift stores, but um, mm-hmm. oh but my gosh, coming. we have we have goodwill dates. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. There's, Thank you. Tell him. Tell I wanna, him. I wanna I wanna give a shout out to my wife. So finding a good godly Proverbs 13, 31 uh, woman, excuse me, is a wonderful thing. One of the things that this is how I knew that Jen really loved me. This I knew that this I knew she at least would stay around. I was out there in Los Angeles driving a nineteen ninety-eight Toyota Corolla that had gotten in an accident. And so like the front was all like you know machine parts it was i loved that car it was my high school car i loved that thing but it did it did it looked rough she was roughing it and i remember when jen so jen um you know beautiful los angeles girl at that time she had worked in like a, in a really ritzy restaurant in los angeles so like she that was kind of the world that she'd come into um i remember like i was okay like you know like i'm just like i'm a saver and also like i'd rather spend money if i'm gonna spend it on like camera gear to like get my rate up or something I would have I would have nightmares where she would criticize my car, but she never did like she never did like right off the bat, I remember just like we would just like go on goodwill dates or something and we would I, I remember early on because like I had just started budgeting. 
um we were going out to a ball game was our date and i was like this is gonna be fun i just want you to know like for the rest of the month like this is how much you know this is how much i got this is like i budget this is what i do and she's like oh cool you know and i was like okay That's we're great. gonna we're gonna get married because i gotta lock that down <laughs> and well and you said and you said something also that the title of our book it's spending less and living more and that's where people have to, that's where you have to do good. Mm -hmm. You spent less on your car because you could spend more on your hobby, or, which would be your future job on the camera. Right. So people, we, we talk to people, all different types of people, young, old. And I say to people like, we homeschool, but you might, you know, spend less on your groceries so you can spend more on Catholic education. Mm -hmm. Or you, we met, we talked to another couple, have eight kids they spent less on they homeschooled so that they could afford to eat all organic mm -hmm. which we all know is super expensive they could buy you know all the you know special the eggs and the meat and all the things so that was how they balanced it out so it's all about the give and take and instead of take 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 and that's where you get under 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 um in more and more debt yeah, that's so completely it's, true. It's and, about trying to figure out what 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 the what the give and take is. You know, if you really want that fancy vacation, then you know, don't. We know someone who the only reason they started homeschooling their kids was because their minivan broke and they couldn't afford the Catholic school down the street. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, we have to have transportation, and they never looked back and they loved it. They're like, that's how God got us into homeschooling. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, I think that what's funny is um, I'm very much one of the subscribers that like finances, like anything, marriage, anything, it, they're, they're, these are behavioral things. You can read, you can read all the books on pre-Cana, all the books on finances, on all the books on marriage, um, on home renovation, whatever it is. But ultimately, these, these speak to our temperaments and they speak to the disciplines that we have, you know, the virtues and the vices that we cultivate. And so I think that for a lot of people, like, every day we should be learning to die to ourselves because that'll make it easier for us to die to our spouse like you know our eight months into marriage it's very funny because you know our it's you know our gentleman disagreements aren't about money a lot of times too but it's a lot about learning about dying to each other which is amazing because you discover that with marriage like this is the most important decision you'll make in your life i mean you have you have a partner forever this will set your policy of your home uh, this will set if you dread coming to home, home every night or if you enjoy or 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 if your if your children see mom and dad as a loving couple and see that as a <laughs> thing to carry on even but here's a funny thing this is this is what I learned I'd love for the comment because for me it wasn't just finding a spouse to who I could be affectionate with and love with but it was finding someone who I could like fight with and what's funny about that is like Jen and I are not good fighters alone and we're not good fighters together right i'm i'm a sanguine cleric my wife is a uh she's a she's a cleric melancholic and so uh so what's funny is like when when we have a gentleman's disagreement my my sanguine kicks in first because i'm like okay if i just it's like a movie for me it's like if i just say what i want to say in five minutes we could be friends in five minutes it's wonderful and and Jennifer, I, I, loved you. I know i know i'm a and, cleric sanguine too oh uh -huh, there we go right and so that's the thing it's like and so my wife uh, which, which I love because her Malcock actually will hit before her cleric. So what happened is like, she'll think about it a lot more, which drives my sanguineness wild. And so just like, you know, just with our finances, like learning if someone is a saver, if they're a spender, if they like to say, what are they saving for, right? Um, your book is wonderful because it's, it's a lot about intentionality. And I think for a lot of people, 
whether they're paycheck to paycheck or they're natural savers or they just have abundance, whatever it is, it's just spinning the wheels because there's no intentionality behind the why of what you're doing. Do you want to be a stay at home uh, wife and mother? Do you want to send your kids to uh, to a ritzy Catholic school? Do you want to eat organic? Do you want to have more money to spend on a rifle or on Starbucks or whatever? And so I love um, in your book, you guys have a, a journal, um, the slam journal, right? The spend less. Um... Oh, dear. Thank you. Achieve more. I had that was the name of my last episode title. Sorry, I promise I read these things. Uh, oh, and I love it because because the opening of it is like, what is your financial goals and to set that forth, not just like your individual, but also with your spouse too, um, which gets you on the same page or at least understands where you guys are coming from. Well, you definitely started your marriage off right. And we have um, Rob jokes about it, but there's also a priest who when he does the homily at weddings, he says to the groom and Rob says, I wore black on the darkest day of my life. The day, <laughs> the day we got married because you're dying to yourself. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, you wear black on your funeral or you were black to weddings. But this, this priest tells the man, you're here in black and you are here to die. Die to yourself every single day for the rest of your married life. And who wants to hear that at a wedding? You know, everyone's flowers and little flower girls and everything. And it gets it gets the groom shaken in his knees, but it gets the congregation whose job is to pray for that couple to realize that that's how, and that's where that, that book on marriage comes. That is the, if it wasn't for the sacrament, we would either have murdered each other or run run as far as we can. But it's just that constantly dying to yourself. And that's where if you can, I always tell people the small crosses help us for the big crosses. If you can train yourself in the small little things of not buying that coffee or not spending an extra money to go, you know, get your nails done or whatever it is. If you do not have that money, if you have that money, great, go get your nails done, take a friend with you. But if you don't have that money, that's where I'm like, take those small sacrifices, offer it up, you know, learn to callous yourself against that want, want, want. I have told the kids since they were little and the proof is in the pudding because our older kids are all very financially stable. And that's kind of how this book came about. Somebody heard. Somebody in the Washington Post read an article about how our five older kids are graduating from college debt free. And they were like, that can't be possible in the Washington DC area. And so it was through that, but it's because we taught them when they were little, no, you can't have that. If you want that, save for it. How are you gonna save for it? When that lady calls and says, hey, I need something to shove in my driveway. You run down there and you do it. Hey, I need a babysitter. You run over and you do it. Like it's just learning to save at a younger age. And then when they're older, then they learn the, the value of a dollar. They learn, no, even though I want to get those new pair of shoes, no, because I'm going to have to buy my own cell phone because my mom is super mean, or I'm going to have to buy my own car, or I have to pay for my own college. So it's it's been, it's kind of started off. It wasn't our plan. It was survival. We can't buy you a cell phone. We can't buy you a car. We can't pay for your college. And little did we know that because we said, you know, thy will be done, God, little did we know that that was going to turn into a book someday and turn into these seven older kids who are financially responsible, 
who are absolutely amazing parents and it all because we were me <laughs> and poor. And you mentioned um, discipline because that's a big thing you'd mentioned at the end. Um, I mean, I can tell people how to like, how to save or, you know, how to, you know, spend less or, you know, where to, you know, maybe what to do with their money, but you can't make them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the concepts are basically easy, you know, I mean, it's kind of like being Catholic, pray more, sin less. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds easy in theory, but you, you have to have the discipline to do it or I run a lot and people are like, why couldn't you? I'm like, well, you could. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, just, you know, you just have to want to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some days you have to make yourself. I, I don't always want to, we don't always necessarily want to save. I mean, she'd love to have a maid. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, what's the point of having so many children? If, uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess they're the mess causers, right? So. Yeah, they're indentured servants. There we go. I grew up on a farm, so I know that concept well. Yeah. Uh, you know, there you go. Grew up with hard work. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a well. It's also with parenting, like that's what Rob just said. We used to uh, listen to Doctor Ray. Mm -hmm. um, Grandy. 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 Yep. Yep. And that we were like, he would say the same thing that we say. He's like, I can tell you ten ways to help a toddler behave better, but what I can't do is give you the gumption or give you the, the strength, strength the to, to follow through mm -hmm. it's all about the follow through you can read all the books you want you can hear all the advice you get but until you're willing to put blood sweat and tears into the game you're not going to be able to get up and tell that toddler for the 20th time not to touch that whatever or you're not going to be able to tell your you know your tell yourself no don't go get that coffee after you went to the gym don't go even though you're starving or thirsty don't go to chick-fil-a or mcdonald's or or every time the kid scores a goal we're all gonna go to 7-eleven or make a pizza party no good job you've made a goal that's you're cheering that's all you get <laughs> like we paid for you to play this sport i'm not gonna take you out to get a slurpee every time you <laughs> go to soccer practice that's, i mean that brings up such an interesting point too because i think that so for a lot of people i think sometimes it's like okay well listen i can i know myself like i can do this i can even be married to this i can even do this with one or two kids but it's not enough of just financial stability or or marital stability or household stability or anything like that. It's the fact that y'all did this with like 10 times the national average. God bless. And so, you know, for, you know, how how do you organically or or how do you start instilling those sorts of disciplines, right? Like, um, I love, there's a point in your book where you guys talked about how you do birthdays. And the joke was, how do you do that without taking out a second mortgage? And um, I love it. I think it said, Rob, that uh, that you'll take the kids out and then twice a year, it was that you guys would go out for like pizza or something like that. And, um, you know, we talk a lot, uh, Rudy has a, has a child and he has, he has a daughter and we don't have children just yet. But, um, but with all the information and kind of all the experiences that we're, we're understanding, it seems like children, they love meaning making and ritualizing. And also they will, they will believe whatever family that they're in, which I think is so important for, for couples and, and parents to hear. Um, even just today, you know, I was with a buddy of mine and he has, uh, he has five daughters. Uh, so yeah, real, real girl dad. Um, and we were just talking about the fact that, um, children, it's very funny, right? I remember as a, as a kid at Christmas, one of the most fun gifts I ever had was you'd get like a new piece of something and there'd be a big box and bubble wrap. And I loved bubble wrap and bubble wrap's not very expensive, but man, 
I just, I still love bubble wrap. I feel like I'm, I'm five again. So do you have the app on your phone that you can just pretend it's, it's a bubble wrap that's, app? Oh, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. You have to, it's the satisfaction <laughs> with a little bit of the air that like rushes back to your face or something. <laughs> so tell me, tell me about just kind of raising your kids and, and what those lessons along the way sort of look like. Um, you know, I mean, out of the gate, here you guys are. Uh, are you, by the way, here's a quick aside, but are you still in the same house that you've always been in or have you guys moved houses? This is our third third house since okay, we got cool. We oh, had a wonderful. small townhouse, mm -hmm. a regular size four bedroom house, and then twenty two years yeah twenty two years ago this spring we bought a the house we're currently in as a foreclosure uh -huh. uh, five bedrooms and we've added a couple bedrooms onto it. Oh, that's great! And, and we did put a lot of work into it. Yeah. So my mom always used to joke, and you always bought the worst house in the nicest neighborhood. So this house was foreclosed on, had it had kind of sat for a couple of years. It uh, I think it was sad. In, I think it's in the book. <laughs> Our priest came over to bless the house and he looked at the house because it had stuff everywhere. And he said, mm -hmm. Am I supposed to bless the house or exercise it? <laughs> so oh, yeah. it was just a it was sad, but that's the but the other thing is, and this is kind of tricky, but it, but but we agreed on this when we bought the house. We made it livable. A lot of people would have said, oh, well, this is your dream house. Take out like a- or like a, a HELOC and- Yeah, to take out a, a loan to mm -hmm. fix it all up and have it be like your dream house. No, what we did is what we could afford, how many, 40 gallons of white paint, 40 gallons of white paint, the simple appliances, simple toilets, simple everything. And then 10 years later, we could fix up one room at a time. That's right. Got the money. Yeah, we basically, yeah, we redid it, but we didn't go, we didn't go fancy. I mean, we put a lot. We made it livable. Yeah, spent a fair amount of money running back and forth from Depot, but we did most of the work ourselves and with friends. And it's a lesson that you learn, right? I mean, I don't think, I'm sure maybe you would agree with this, but you know, it doesn't seem to make there's such a thing as a forever home, you know? I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of like home is where the heart is homes where home for me is where a gen is and so therefore right. we're, we're renting right now in Parker because I'm sure it's like this in Maryland the real estate market out here in Colorado is it's and yeah. I've grown up here my entire life right so like to see places that my parents got in at a price with three acres in a place that like no one can afford anymore um the bright side and this is why this is why uh, it's a little cynical of me I suppose but I anticipate that our first home will be a foreclosure because I anticipate that there's a lot of people uh, who aren't being quite honest financially currently. And, uh, you know, when the tide goes out, you can tell who's skinny dipping. So yeah, right. don't, want, don't want anyone to be like forced out on our part, but yeah, if it happens, whatever, we'll move it. Well, and that was awkward for us. We just happened to know both the neighbors on this ha house and we knew that this was going to happen. So, mm. you know, it was, it was a, you know, you don't want to wish that upon somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting empty. But yeah, our our oldest, her first house was a foreclosure about ten years ago after the financial crisis of mm -hmm. 08, 09. She got married a year or two after that, and there was tons of foreclosures here in town. So she um um was able to get you know a, a house at a great price. Yeah, which is now probably tripled in value because, like you said, uh, you know the houses have just gone crazy the last couple of years. The prices it's, it's ridiculous, but. They and I think, I think it's a good, you know, talk about sacrifice, but, you know, I think for me, like I grew up 
where it very much was there were a couple of there were a couple of uh of not lies per se but just a couple of things i had to unlearn i went to public school and they were like no matter what you do k-12 you need you need to go to a four-year school and get your bachelor's if you don't do that you won't succeed that was like the thing drilled in no no trades nothing like that i went to i went to a community college and so it was and also film school obviously but just having a route at that point online school is becoming more prominent uh, I'm very hopeful because I think that if there's a good thing from the whole of this pandemic, uh, I think that people have realized what the value of education actually is and how to kind of beat and cheat the system, so to speak. And mm -hmm. I think this also goes for for home ownership. Like I I grew up on three acres, grew up on a little farm. Would love to would love to be a homeowner. I know that that's in the works. Um, th it's just not the, it's just not the time right now. Like I'm, I'm looking at houses that I, I'm like, I know what your value is. I was just here a little bit ago and I'm, I'm willing to wait just a little bit. It's not like, oh, well, right. Renting, you're just throwing away your money. It's like, no, I'm just biding my time. Like, I don't want to get into something two times over. You're being prudent. Yeah. That's yeah all you're being and you guys bought in the eighties when it started. Right. So that meant that it was, it was lower principal, but higher interest rates. Right. Yeah. We got married in 89 and I bought a townhouse right before we got married and the house is inexpensive it was maybe eighty three thousand dollars don't make me cry but the um but the interest rate on the mortgage which i was working at a bank at the time and i was actually happy to get because they were slowly coming down by then mm -hmm. it was our rate was 10 percent mm -hmm. they had been um 15 16 in the mid to late 80s when i first started working at a bank and yeah so and i we paid down this house in 12 years and um, th this house at the rate was six and a quarter, mm -hmm. which is still a lot compared, to, but I was happy to get it at the time. And we do talk about that in the book a little bit, you know, my older kids, you know, I tell them, well, you know, it's up to you if you want to pay more on your, I paid mine down quickly because I wanted to get rid of it, but the rates are insanely low right now. It's, right. <laughs> you know, at 3%, you, you may not want to pay it down. You may want to save money and invest to do something else with it because it's, it's almost free money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, so, um, yeah. I love, I can't wait for us to be in the opportunity. The first year of marriage has brought on other things like, uh, like teeth repairs and Honda Civics and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't still have the car with the uh, smashed up? Do you still have the, uh, oh no. Okay. So let me tell you the story of this. Let me tell you the gone? story. <laughs> I, I appreciate you asking because I loved this thing. Uh, its name was 1998 Toyota Corolla with a carbon fiber hood. <laughs> uh, I drove that thing to with me to Los Angeles. It was it was my companion for for almost those five years, and then I actually uh, I remember I came home for Thanksgiving and I was like I need I need like a compact SUV. I need something that can haul some gear. I can't like it's hard to tetracine in a little car I got is fun, but like I have like real camera gear now, and so I but I wanted to keep car out of plates because there was no way I was gonna pay for all the stuff out in California, right? So, uh, so I I came back home and I gave the car to my father who gave it to my older sister, and it ran up until this summer, a little after the summer. Finally, uh, it was just it was burning through oil like you couldn't imagine. But that was a pretty good run for I mean, that car and I were we were close. So now I'm driving. Uh, so now uh, we have a very, very fancy motorcade. We have an 07 Mitsubishi Outlander and an 06 Honda Civic. Um, so one of the one of the things that I like to say in our household is that, you know, we don't have much, but what we have is ours. Um, that yeah. no man can lay claim to to anything. And I think that that's a principle with debt, especially that a lot of people have to refocus on. You know, there's a lot of YouTube channels, especially that are very much like talk about like debt leveraging and these sorts of things. Um, you know, whole debates about credit cards, these sorts of things. 
I think that I've always found like the principle, the idea is at the end of the day, who owes, who, who owes you, who owns you? <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if you drive a really nice car, but you're paying 500, $600 a month and full insurance on that car, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. And at the end of the day, like it's not yours. Uh, you know, even, even when you pay down your house all the way, like help you if you don't pay the property tax. So, so it's just funny that I think that there's just like sensibilities of, of, even though it's not like an empire of stuff, at least nobody has claim over your furniture. That's worth something, surely. <laughs> nobody wants our furniture. <laughs> well, we got, we're so, I, I love my, I love my wife so much. So, um, I want to move up, but it's just such a funny story, but we, uh, again, we're, we're, we were headhunters for moving into this place. So we were on like Craigslist, Facebook marketplace offer up. There is so much good furniture. People are just yeah. giving away because it's big, right? And so we have, you know, we got the king size set and everything for like 50 bucks. Or we have a beautiful furniture set out in the living room of our, of our nice small little apartment that we got for like 200 bucks, everything. Like it was just like people, people kind of scratched their heads because I wanted to be looked at like we're kind of the crazy couple like you guys were, you know? Uh, I want people <laughs> well, you're to saying think, all the right things. I just want people to say like, you know, I love when people say that things can't be done. I'm sure you guys do because it's almost like a challenge. Like you can't homeschool yeah. 14 kids, stay at home wife, like have like a single income, own a house, pay off the house early, not have a car note. You know, it's just incredible. Well, I also love how you talked about community college because that's one of our yeah. secrets. <laughs> that's um, it's not in the book, but there's um three appendixes that didn't that they cut out of the book and made free chapters on, on the website on a, that people can download. But you know, one of them is on how we do college with all the kids. And number nine is actually number eight. Number eight will graduate in May, and mm. number nine is in her uh, second year. And but all nine kids went to community college for two years first. Yeah. Then they transferred to a four-year school and um, did two, a couple more years there to finish up their degree. But the community college, um, we, we, you know, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> and actually, and you can get almost for, around here, at least you can get a lot of um, aid and scholarship, um, free money. Um, so it, it can be free or close to free. And a lot of their friends at these four year schools come home at summer and take classes at the community college and say that they're better teachers there than they are at the four year schools. Right. Well, we've seen it's, it's amazing because I think that when I was still in school, and that wasn't that long ago, I graduated high school in 2013, but I feel like community college was, there's a little, there was, I'm sure it's still there, there's a stigma, you know, um, and online school had just kind of really started to come into its heyday. So I feel like if you kind of were one of those kids who wanted to just get out into the workforce or go into the trades or go the community college route, it was like, oh, that's weird. Like, just like, like, again, like growing up, I'm very fortunate because I, it wasn't quite instilled in me not to take on student debt per se, and I didn't. Uh, that's just how the cards laid out. And I realized that a lot of organic financial sensibilities my parents put upon me helped kind of shape me into the, the turbo nerd that I, I became. <laughs> um, so, which brings me to a good thing. So it's like, you know, with vocation, I think that that's kind of at the heart of so many of our own decisions. You know, marriage is a vocation, the priesthood is a vocation, um, what jobs, what fields we go into and how we, we jump them, how we, how we flip them. So for your children, when they, did you, was there ever a talk where it was like, mom, dad, I want to go to college. How do I do so? Or I'm not quite sure what I want to do. Would you be like, okay, I'll work for a year or do this for a year? Or what were those kind of routes? What were those kind of conversations look like? I guess it started with our first one. Um, with, with homeschooling, 
we can only teach so much through high school before we, you know, run out of knowledge. Um, you know, <laughs> still doing better than most teachers school. in high school, though. <laughs> so she and and she, she was a hard worker and has a February birthday. So anyway, she she finished her high school. Um, she had just turned sixteen. So I'm like, well, I'm not sending my sixteen year old daughter off to a four year college to live in a dorm with guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> so. Um, so now, so community looked into the community college. Um, we have a um, really good one about twenty minutes away. She got all the financial aid for everything. We're like, mm -hmm. here, you know, just go there for two years. Um, she she knew what she wanted um, for her major, and because she's the oldest and she's a girl, uh -huh. so she had it all mapped out. All mapped out. <laughs> yeah, in in Maryland at least, the community colleges are all the computer systems all hooked into the four year colleges in Maryland. So. If you know basically what you want to major in, they'll make sure when you're there at community college for two years that everything will transfer. Oh, that's and good. You'll be on your path. Mm -hmm. So um, she got a um, social work degree. So they, you know, they could tell her, here's what you need to take for the next two years while you're with us. Don't take this English. Take this one. Don't take yeah. that math. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's a pathway. Yeah. Wonderful. So she never wasted any money, any time, and it rolled right into the state school. And yeah, and she was lucky. We had you know ten kids at the time, and hadn't had an okay job, but not a great job. Um, our you know our tax returns would probably make some people cry. You know, <laughs> taxable income. And um, but it got her. She went to community college for free for two years. Oh, you know, wow. She got financial aid and grants and scholarships, and so you know, two years knocked out for free. That's and then again, that wasn't the case for all the kids because I know our third and fourth child that was during uh, a you know the 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 money was tight and people were actually going to community college because mm. people were losing jobs or unsure yeah. of the economy, and so they didn't get as much financial aid, but you know they made it through. But even if you have to pay for community colleges, I mean, it's not it's not outrageous. No, I mean, again, like each of my semesters and I, I, I did I graduated a little early or at least I had less classes than my last one. But it was like it was like twenty five hundred a semester. And so I, I worked yeah. while I was at school and then my parents, um, my parents paid for a lot of it. Thank God. Um, you know, I'm very, very grateful to them. But again, it was like and, and what for me was so interesting is that film in particular is a trade, really. If I had been born and lived out in Los Angeles, I think I would have just started being on set at like 16 and probably would have taken some classes on camera work or something. Um, but YouTube Academy can teach you everything nowadays. So, um, so what's funny is that when I got out there, my very first job was a UCLA uh, student film, an extension film, essentially. So I was like, okay, well, here I am, like just 20 years old. What do these guys know from four years at like a prestigious film school that I don't know? And the answer was nothing. We we knew the same stuff. So, which you know, really, so I I've, I've had a particular sort of um, you know college uh, isn't you know except for like a very particular paths. People have to be extremely careful about what they do because starting off thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in debt, uh, working a job that's forty, fifty, or whatever, uh, it's it's not the way to go for a lot of people. And especially if they have the desire to maybe be a stay at home mom or maybe to change careers altogether and, and try their hand in, in something more, more of a trade or something like that. Yeah. And 
all of our kids have gone on to four-year schools, but we told them just, you know, go to community college for two years. Um, if you want to go, if that's all you want to do, fine. If mm-hmm. you'd rather go to trade school or, you know, be an apprentice or, you know, do something like that, that's fine too. We know? want them to go to trade school. We need a plumber <laughs> and a mechanic and electrician. They make so much. I, so I've been learning as, as, as new, as a new Potter Familia, so this Pacheco outpost, uh, I've been learning more and more about mechanical work because these me- I'm like, man, I should, if I just opened up like an oil chain shop, I'd make so much. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do that where I work. I'm just going to open up like a little stand and people can just like drive through and I'll do it for them. But I'm like, man, it's like, if you learn these things. My second son, he's a focused missionary oh, yeah. and he, he makes side money fixing the bikes at the college. <laughs> he's got, good. He, they're all like, he fixes. He gets bikes used or out of the trash, fixes them up and flips them. And so he's. It's the same thing. If I'm just gonna set up this little shop, he did it for a ministry fair. It was just a way to meet students. Bring your bike. I'll give you a free tune-up. You know, we'll meet the students. Tell them about the activities at the Catholic Student Center. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he was getting all the other people on the campus like, "Hey, can I bring my bike to you?" Or Hey, I need a bike. So he's like, I, you know, there was no money to be made that day, but all the people who wanted him to, to, you know, fix up or buy a bike, it was a good friend. But he's like, that could totally be my side business. Oh, well, everyone needs one nowadays. I want to ask, I want to ask you both about, so growing up with, with your children and instilling those kinds of things, is it, you know, especially with 14 of them, what is what is kind of a if you have any piece of advice for someone who who initially hears that and thinks that's daunting i don't know if i can do that myself how do i make sure that like i make sure my kids have like a decent childhood and they don't come out weird or left behind or mm-hmm. some other you know like we all know like the Sorry. we all know like the fun Ask like a stereotype <laughs> <laughs> well i can't help that's for sure <laughs> Well, first of all, we try to tell people, and this could also just be one of our financial advice. So I gave birth to 12 of them. And number 13, when he was 12 weeks old, his mom was at a Gabriel Network house. And that's like a pregnancy home who helps Mm. unwed mothers. And we got a phone call from a friend saying this 12-week-old needed a place to stay while his mom got situated. Now, it took Rob less than a minute to say yes. And then I called her back and said, of course we will. But we little did we think ever, but now that we had to write a book and give talks on finances, if we were drowning in debt, if we could barely feed her and clothe our own children, would it have been as easy to say that? Would Rob been able to say, oh, of course we'll take another one instead of being like, I can't even, we have no groceries and I can't mm-hmm. even feed the kids we have. Or would we have gotten that phone call from this woman at this pregnancy center if she, every time she saw our kids, they looked like a bunch of slobs and, and our car was beaten up and we, we could, we looks like we were starving or, you know, whatever. But this woman in our community at our parish said, Hey, the fat singers, they're a stable family, <laughs> get free or not. She knows how they look normal. But, oh, yeah. but, but it just, I, you know, now that, like I said, now that we give talks and we wrote this book, I think back, like at that time, finances wasn't even on the table. We mm-hmm. were like, we want another baby anyway. God is providing us the opportunity to help somebody. This new baby, newborn baby needs help. That was easy for us to say yes. 
That was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. He just <laughs> turned 10. Yeah. So, and we adopt, got to adopt him. But, but, but now I ponder and I look back, hey, that was another added bonus to living debt free. And then five and a half years ago, we got another, this one was an email, not a phone call, a baby who hadn't even been born yet, who needed to be taken care of for a year. Once again, Rob and I talked about it. We said yes, and five and a half years later, we still have him. So it, it, these are all things that never did we think about finances, but now we look back and say, oh yeah, of course. This was such an easy decision to make. It's mm. easy to follow God's will. It's easy to say yes to God when you have the stability of, of a secure financial, you know, uh, lifestyle. Yeah. It's just, it, it, we weren't ever thinking about that. We were always thinking, you know, thy will be done, Lord, whatever you want. You know, we're your instruments. Help us to do your will. We never thought, oh, okay, well, if we save money, someday we can foster a kid. Someday we can adopt a kid. No, we just said, this is the way God wants us to live, and we're going to do it. Wow. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, there's, you know, there's kind of a an idea I always have, which is that, you know, it, we, we answer God's will. And I think that, you know, again, like children are, are gifts from God. They're, they're, they're gifts of, of good, fruitful marriage. Um, and also it's, it's, it's fun too, because you also get to kind of test out some of your little theories and stuff, I suppose as well. Is there anything, I don't know. So this would be, this would be easy to preface it. My, my dad says that his family, they're kind of divided into like the six older and the six younger, just organically, right? Just as, as far as the spread goes. So is there, is there any kind of, from like your older kids kind of moving down, was it all pretty like, okay, like, I think that this, this not like adjusting majorly, but just little tips and tricks along the way, right? They're like, okay, well, maybe like now we're we're in this kind of situation now. So, I, you know, in the book you talk about like going to the grocery store and like the discount meat, which is what we've been doing because we're we're fighting this inflation tooth and claw over here. <laughs> you know, just kind of like those those tips that trickle down, anything like that. The difference between our olders and our youngers. Now we have ten grandchildren. Yeah, and. So I am extreme, Rob and I are extremely proud of our kids. Like they are amazing parents. I, I just, I'm, I can't, I'm so grateful. So initially our prayer was two years ago, if our, our first of our second seven kids can turn out half as good as the first seven kids, we're in good shape. That's right. Because we were like this. <sighs> The last seven are driving us crazy and we're older and we're still chasing around a five-year-old and we're like, what are, this is crazy. This is tough. But by the grace of God, you know, two years later, uh, the, the, the 20-year-old who was driving us crazy as an 18-year-old is now an amazing 20-year-old. Mm. Um, and we kind of always told the older kids, like, uh, we, need, we need your help. We need your help um, balancing out social media, all the things that, you know, who, younger kids don't do Facebook anymore. <laughs> they barely do Instagram anymore. Like help us navigate TikTok, Snapchat, like all those things. And so uh, our older kids are now helping us parent the younger kids and the younger kids will call the older kids 
for advice or um, or suggestions or mom's driving me crazy. You know, we have two of our older children are social workers. Mm -hmm. And and so our younger kids call them. They're like, you know what? We don't have it so bad. Like, you should see the kids I see, you know, or um, the ones who are social workers are seeing the how bad these um these kids are from all the social media like anxiety mm, right. stress and all those so when our kids call them like mom took my phone away and they're saying good you shouldn't have that phone anyway <laughs> um and 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 so and our younger kids are learning from the older kids things like uh, like our oldest daughter owns four houses i mean and she nice. lives yeah, and our second son owns two houses, and our third son's a doctor. And you know, like they're learning that even going to a community college, state school, mm -hmm. like we would love to be able to afford to send them to this great, wonderful Catholic university. But they learn to find the Catholic Student Center, to find the Focus Ministry, to band yourself together with other good Catholic students, because we don't have, or you don't have, all the money to you know, pay to go to some of these places. Now, we know some great Catholic families who have found ways to get loans and do things and go to those great things. And that's wonderful. But for us, our system so far has been working. Um, the other things that the younger kids learn from the older kids are like used cars. And, and you know, every boy wants like, you know, the red Mercedes or the red Mustang. But well, they, they get the 98 Corolla. Right. Yeah, I mean, they will. They'll love it, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah but they, they do. <laughs> but they, that they realize that, OK, well, I'm a boy, so my insurance is going to be up here. Yep, and it the car is red, so my insurance is going to be even more. And yep. it's a brand new sports car. So my insurance is going to be this. But my brother is paying 120 bucks a month for the Corolla. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so it's fun to dream and wish. But do you realize what a insurances every month for a red you know it's a joke because our, our 18 year old um she just headed out but she she has an o2 corolla oh view oh rolled windows. It's got, it's got yeah the roll, it's got the with the rolled windows, windows. oh yeah that's what my 98 was electric so tell her to catch up oh you were, oh, you were living large we got i was i love that oh my gosh no oh that thing had a custom muffler on it when i first when my dad first got it, i should say and it was loud. And so of course I felt so cool as a teenager. And then one day, I swear, I turned 17 and I was at a stoplight here in town. And I remember saying I couldn't hear myself think, which clearly shows the frontal lobe had finally started developing. And I was like, I gotta get this thing. I gotta go back to normal. And, and, and 17 year olds can't think anyway. So it was probably better. You couldn't hear what was happening. Retroactively, just casually, I've been, you know, like how memories will pop up on Facebook you know, it's it's harder for me, right? Because I'm like, I'm only 26. So it'll be like, oh, 10 years ago, you said this. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said, Jordan. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, you didn't know anything. What, what do you mean? Like, you read 1984 once and you think you're a genius. <laughs> hey, that book is prophetic right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. I know. My, son, my son's like, I need to reread that book. <laughs> oh, it's it's completely true and and what's funny is i love especially like you know obviously the the used car game is a is a is a is a scrappy one right now but i've always yeah. found like you know again like growing up and my parents were frugal people um i think um you know we grew up on a, on a farm and we did a lot of chores and a lot of things together and you know i remember there was things that 
for other people, they hear the word, they might cringe a little bit like budget, right? Oh, well, budget implies poor poverty. It's like, no, we went to Goodwill because that was just the thing you did. And I remember, I'll never forget this, but one of the most impactful, I guess, financial experiences I've, I've realized only in retrospect is I went to Goodwill when I was probably in late middle school, like eighth grade with my parents. And there was an American Eagle um, collar shirt that I really liked, right? But I also, I found later, I think I went to the mall or whatever, and I saw pretty much the same shirt. And I went, huh, so the clothes here are the same as the clothes here. It's good, doesn't have any stains, doesn't have any holes. We, we all know we all, we all all know the, tri the trick of Goodwill shopping, right? You gotta make sure it doesn't have holes and doesn't have right. burns and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's a wonderful game out here in Parker. But I was like, okay, and like that's, that means that people are paying a lot of money to look the exact same. That's a hack. Um, now, like late, really my, my older sister, she's become one of those coupon ladies. And it's, it's much cooler to look at now because you can just do it on your phone, all, all cool and subtle. Um, but she sent a picture like uh, the Safeway out here. That's, that's, our, um, that's our Kroger. They, um, or I don't know, what do they have in Maryland? What's, what's like the grocery store? Nice. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. Hey, we're kindred spirits. They don't have those in, in California, so I got to ask. Um, but she was like, you know, it was like, it was like bread, sauce, meatballs, and something else, like a $5 deal. And so she texted me and my other two siblings, and we're like, how much do you think I got this for? And we were like, <laughs> you know, when someone asks that, you're like, oh, I don't know how much. And she told us, and I was like, I was like, I've been doing this wrong, and I thought I was doing okay. So, so just like these things that you pick up, and, and it's exciting because I think that for a lot of people now, um, frugal living and simple living and sacrificial intentional living, these aren't derogatory bad sorts of things. It's, it's really inspiring to me when I see somebody who has a good head on their shoulders and yeah, you know, they're driving a 98 Corolla or they're living in a foreclosed town, the, 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 the cheapest town home in the nicest part of town or something like that. But you can just, you can see this look in the eye. I think people are just happier when, when materials don't govern them and when children and family life and prayer life are instead the things that, that dwell in their soul. And a lot of it is Rob just retired. Hey, and congratulations. So, 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 you know, people can look at us and they can wonder, but first of all, the proof's in the pudding. Like mm. our kids, our older kids, uh, you know, we're not done yet, but they're, they're pretty amazing. I mean, we have plenty of problems and plenty of stress and problems and, and things like that. Yeah. But you can't, like, you can't fake that. Like, you can't fake retiring at 57 mm. with 14 kids. Right, like, right. So, obviously, what we've been doing and what we've been saying is working. Like, when I, I am the youngest of nine, and my brothers and sisters used to always think we were crazy because we we're having all these kids, and we we're homeschooling, and they were like, oh, you guys are crazy. Your kids are going to grow weird. Well, you know what? Now my kids are all doing great. We've all graduated, you know, nine of them or eight of them have graduated from college. My brothers and sisters now are going, wait, maybe you knew what you're doing. Maybe there's something <laughs> you said because they look at other kids and they're dropping out of school. They're, they're mm, going off, not turning off graduation. Yeah. I, I can't say it. I know, right? <laughs> they're not turning out the way that they were hoping. Right. You know, divorce and unwed, unwed pregnancies mm, and drugs mm -hmm. and all the things. So they're like, wait, maybe Sam and Rob knew what they were doing when they weren't letting their kids play those video games. When they weren't sending their kids to the public school when they weren't letting their kids, you know, go to these places or have, you know, Xboxes or all the things. So it, it was, it's making these sacrifices that is 
that's how things turn out good. Like God is always going to help you out and, and he knows he's there for us. And he knows that if you just keep plugging along, keep um, suffering and offering up and all those things, then then you get the, you know, the bonus in the end. And also we really wanted our kids to appreciate instead of expect, mm. like appreciate yeah. that ice cream cone instead of expect that ice cream cone. We're going to the beach. Can we get ice cream? Can we ice? No, 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 no. Uh, it's too expensive, whatever. But then at the end of the end of our beach trip or grandma takes you out for the ice cream, you are like, thank you so much. Right. Great. Instead of being like, ah, I only got one scoop and they didn't give me the, the sprinkles I wanted, you know? So this, this, and, and trust me, our kids act like spoiled brats sometimes too. But, oh. <laughs> but, but when you, when the kids learn that they can't have everything they want when they want it, then you grow up with appreciative kids, grateful kids, thankful kids um, instead of ones that are entitled. And the other thing, four of our children are married. Little did we know that all this child rearing, we were going to raise these amazing spouses. Mm. Our kids are so, what is the word? Um, easygoing. Low maintenance. Low maintenance. Mm. I mean, who doesn't want to marry a person who's low maintenance? Oh my who's gosh. Who's not going to be like, I want the fancy ring and I want a fancy vacation and I want the fancy car. My kids are like, thank you so much. I appreciate you. This is great. Thank you. I love this house. I love where we live. You know, like I'm so proud of our married kids and I know that they have marriage struggles just like everybody, but, but I'm like, thank God I didn't raise spoiled brats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, and at the end of the day, that's, that's something that's, you know, we see that it's easy to, right? It's easy to, it's easy to do a couple things nowadays. Um, it's easy to allow the TV or allow the the phone or whatever to govern to be essentially the babysitter of children. And it's easy to take the the cowards way out with kids. Um, you know, you don't want to let the, the inmates run the asylum. And so what's funny is I remember there was a summer, I was probably like 10 or 11. And my dad was like, we're going to rent a wood chipper for the summer and we need to stock up our wood pile. And I'm the eldest son, right? So you imagine who the chore fell to. And it's summer, so of course I want to like go out and do all this stuff. You know, it wasn't terribly grueling, but I didn't realize it. But that, even that little experience has stayed with me forever. It, it's helped cultivate my work ethic and helped me understand. I was like, okay, like we, there's a lot of things that just happened. I just had a real bonding experience with my father. One of the first experiences I can really recognize is me becoming a young man, you know, under his tutelage. Like I, I realized that. And now I also have gained a skill that's gonna help me. And now I like, I've learned an outlet. And so when I have children, you know, I hope, you know, I, I want to have at least 10 acres, but I'll settle on one for starters. Um, you know, I, I remember, uh, I grew up on an alpaca farm, so we had alpacas and, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's one day in the nineties, my mom asked out of my dad and then they happened. We also raised sheep and I raised a pig and chickens and ducks. It was a, it was a real, you know, my parents were gentlemen farmers. It wasn't like the mainstay, but it was a good, it was a good life. Um, it's great to raise right. children that. And you got to play with a wood chipper. Oh, we got, oh my, oh, don't even get me started. Like you ever handled an axe? <laughs> People it's, come to our house and like, do you know there's an axe out in your backyard? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you, what is that <laughs> what? weird? 
I don't. I've been we have nine sons. <laughs> I can tell that I'm becoming more like my parents because I've been sitting here in this little apartment complex and I'm just like, huh, what if I just like put a couple of chickens out in like the little back patio? That'd be okay, right? Surely that maybe a goat. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I could build. I could build a chicken roost down here. Right? right you know, like oh, well, they don't make much. My neighbors make more noise than chickens do. No one would even notice them. <laughs> oh, so I would love. Oh my gosh, there's so much to cover still, but this just means you're going to have to come back on. I'm I'm so appreciative. We'll love it. I'm so appreciative for you guys to take your time out. My last my last uh, question, I suppose, I have for you guys is if there's just one best piece of advice you've ever heard. I don't care if it's finances, marriage, you know, keep the rugrats locked in the cages. What is what is like a takeaway piece that you just wish that particularly more Catholics could, could kind of get out of out of whatever their vocations call them to? You go first. Um, other than the obvious, I guess, you know, pray. I, I, I tell people, you know, anything, just, you know, pray about it. We've been asked this you know, kind of questions like this before, you know, number one piece of advice, but um, yeah, pray about your decisions and especially, well, anything, I mean, marriage, spouse, um, future spouse, if you're single, you know, pray for your future spouse right now. Yeah. Um, Sam, Sam's good about doing that. As soon as she uh, gets a positive pregnancy test, she starts praying for the baby's future vocation and spouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once she finds out, and we're like five for five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got four married and one almost engaged, and all the all the ones that they've asked are really great mm, spouses. Good. And then my advice is kind of weird, but I'm all I have seen. Like I, when we were first married, I um, fell in love with the saints in the sense that as a young mom and a young bride, you know, we were in the same situation. Do I read the marriage books or the baby books? Cause I got pregnant on my honeymoon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what I did was I fell in love and I had this constant relationship with God and the saints. So when Rob drove me crazy, you know, I asked St. Joseph and I'd ask, you know, our lady and St. Rita and all the things who are married, you know, help me to be a good wife, help me you know, keep my mouth shut, help me be a good mom. So really um, constantly calling on the communion of saints because I say, you are all up there having a party and I'm stuck down here changing diapers, doing dishes, <laughs> trying to be nice to my husband, you know, all these things. So I really do that. And then I, you can never fast or or sacrifice enough for your family and your in your in your spouse and that's going to mean something different for everybody um you know when you're pregnant and nursing that's enough fasting but as a um young mom like again saying no to that that fancy coffee saying no to the sugar in your tea or whatever it is like um i don't know if if you're familiar with the Exodus 90 and all those things. Mm -hmm. like, oh, we did that before we got married somehow. Yeah, then COVID like, hit and we stopped. Yeah, like <laughs> literally, uh, I think my son is not in jail because I took cold showers. Like no. literally, <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell you that that is the hardest thing to do for anybody. And if I can do that for a specific intention mm. or if I can fast for a day, for my husband, for my nephew, for my godson, for my son, that's where it's at. That is where you, the fruit comes. And 
people want to know how we turned out with such great kids. And I say, one, we're mean. We are. We say no all yep. the time. Oh, isn't it wonderful too, to say no to children? I have a nephew and I just I just get such a kick out of it. I don't know. I'm just I am just kidding, but I'm old now and I got the, well she's got the grandkids now, so you can say yes. I got right, right. Boys. That's what grandkids are for. Right. Nine boys, five girls, but nine boys and those last four are boys and they're they're killing us. Killing <laughs> us. And so I get on my knees, I beg God, I fast for them, I do the cold showers. I mean it's almost embarrassing, but people are like you know, how did, how did you get your son to find such a great, you know, spouse? I'm like, cold showers. <laughs> cold. How'd you get Rob to do uh, cold showers? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'll just, that is, you find, but find your thing, whether it's fasting from your phone or fasting from food or fasting from TV or whatever it is, find what's, what really works for you and offer it up. So that's like, I, if I could tell someone one piece of advice, I'd say find something you love and give it up for your spouse. Mm, that's beautiful. What is the best place to find your book and where everything else is going on? Again, for my audience, I'll put a link in the description, of course, and to any social media, whatever you guys want. A Catholic Guide to Spending More. Oh, that's not true. Let me try that again. <laughs> the Catholic Guide to Spending book. Less and Living More. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Like all this thing, it turns out it was complete opposite. Just spend away. Yeah. <laughs> April Fool's. Burn it we got you. I had A Catholic um, so Guide I'm to on, Spending Less and Living More. Yes. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook, I'm Sam Lancaster Fatsinger. Instagram, I'm Sam JMJ. Rob's on Twitter. We have a family blog that's mainly uh, a resource, a website. It's called Fats Fam. And I definitely tell your listeners to get those free chapters that are free. You don't have mm. to give us your social security number or anything. Just go on there, download them free, or you don't even have to download them. You can just read them there. Um, one's on how we feed a family, one's how we do weddings, and one's how we do college. You can send us send me questions on Instagram and Facebook. I answer them, um, except for do it before Lent because I give up social media for Lent. Yeah. Rob's on Twitter. Rob has a old blog called Sardonic Catholic Dad, and it's a hoot. You're gonna have to go to confession after you read it, but it's really oh, that's funny. my kind of blog. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I have uh, more of a Catholic homeschooling mom one, and it's um, "I Will Be Done" baby steps at Blogspot. But um, Amazon's the easiest place. To get Amazon's the best place. To get the oh, you guys, you guys took the King Shilly and the devil's advocate. <laughs> they made it too easy. Yeah. yeah. Even our publisher says send people to Amazon. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, <laughs> you can go through Ave Maria Press. They're great. But like I had, uh, I ordered, was going to order a book from a friend today. And she said, well, order it from the publisher. And I'm like, Hey, we, we had just wrote a book about saving money. I'm not spending $8 in shipping. <laughs> Yeah, no, you guys, my so, kind of people. I, I appreciate the honesty. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but get the yeah. But if people want to read it, just get the free chapters first, and yeah, know, see if it looks like it's going to be a lousy book. Well, when we talk, when we talk to a group of people, I'm like, okay, one person buy the book and then pass it around to everybody. He's like, don't say that. We need to take <laughs> Wait, wait a second. Eighteen cents a book. Or <laughs> you remember it, it's frugal personally, but as far as all yeah. of us are concerned, buy two copies, ten copies. You need presents for everybody. They they actually make really good graduation or wedding presents or baby shower or baby shower or wedding shower presents. But. I, 
I wish I wish I hadn't scared my family so early uh, when I was when I was very early in, in Ramsey baby step mode because I'm the kind of person like this is like I got this I read this and I was like oh my gosh I could buy this for all my siblings I could do this and they would they'd be like no Jordan now I'm not, now I'm gonna spend more because you like it so <laughs> well I'm I'm so grateful to you guys coming on thank you so much we'll continue to pray for you as you pray for me. Thank you. This is fun. Yes. Oh my gosh. We'll have to have you on again, especially like we'll have to yeah. get into like how to make like how to make sure the Rugrats don't run the asylum would be such a good one because fourteen kids. Let's is like, do it again with your wife. Yeah. Yes, please. Give me out from a, advice from a, from a couple that's been out there in the field to a couple that's just getting started. <laughs> <laughs>